Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. and welcome to another episode of Three Spooch Girls. I'm Jessica, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful, fabulous Tara. Hello, hello. And today, we are kind of doing something a little different. I know it's Monday, and you're like, this is a little different format. We're coming at you with a true crime update on the Chris Watts case. Yeah, due to some new info that's came out on this case... We decided we wanted to go ahead and talk about it, and why not talk about it with you guys as well? So this is a bit earlier than we had planned, but yeah, we're going to kind of dive into this case. So this week, Tara and I have decided that we're not going to have a drink of the week or drink in this episode. Typically, I pick something that's on theme. And if you don't know anything about the Chris Watts case, as soon as we start talking about it, you'll understand why I couldn't come up with a theme drink. Not that I couldn't, I didn't want to. It's just too much. And Tara is in solidarity with me and not doing a drink this week. We're both drinking water, so stay hydrated. Super important. (laughs) Yes. And just to do the business, obviously, everything is in our... um, it called tree our link tree there we go link tree i was gonna call it a data tree like close enough tree of links tree of links in the show notes you can find us on instagram pinterest twitter facebook we have a facebook group called three spook girls official you can find us on fun things happen over there if you want to be a patron go to www.patreon.com slash three spooked girls we're running a promotion right now that if you join for a dollar, you get one of our OG stickers. Mm-hmm. And so you should definitely go take advantage of that. You get bonus content. There's some fun things. Go check it out. And you get bonus content for as little as a dollar. And Tara and I were doing some research and not all podcasts do that. So, you know, we love you because we give everything to everyone. Hell yeah. We love the spooksters. That we do. So I guess now we can just jump right in. Yeah. Okay. So if you are unfamiliar with this family, which I'm going to guess probably 99% of you are not, we'll just do a quick rundown and then we'll get into our opinions on this. Because we have a lot. Yes. Okay. So the Watts family lived in Frederick, Colorado, which is close to one of the few towns I've lived in and just made it even more surreal for me. So it was the... I guess the morning technically, you know, late night, early morning is about 1 a.m. It was August 13th. So by the way, this is August 13th, 2018. Yes. So this is like a minute ago, essentially. Right. And, you know, late flight and stuff. So she had gotten in and home a little after 1 a.m. And we'll get into more details later because, like we said, some new details have been uncovered. According to Chris... They had a quote-unquote emotional conversation due to the fact that they were supposed to be separating and getting a divorce. Yes. 
And at this point, because like I said, some stuff does change, you know, they had their conversation and they went to bed. Now we're going to fast forward to the next morning. And on Chris's original timeline, he went to work. It was like 5 a.m. or something like that and went about his day. In this situation, I know that for both of us, we would be the friend. God forbid something like this happened to us. Mm-hmm. It was about 11 or 12, so like noon. Her best friends that she talked to every single day hadn't heard from her. She's the lady who dropped her off the night before. Yes, exactly. She knows she made it home because she watched her walk in the front door. Exactly. And Shannon had a doctor's appointment this next morning because she was also with child and hadn't been feeling well over the work weekend when they were at the event and stuff like that. She was like, hey, if you don't feel like driving, give me a call. I'll pick you up. I'll take you. No call, mm-hmm. no text, nothing, which was really weird because like you can look this up there. They released like all the text messages from both their phone, Shannon's and Chris's phones. Literally, this woman and Shannon talked so fucking much. <laughs> like, like nonstop. Yeah, nonstop. So, you know, it's like after breakfast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she hadn't heard a word. So, you know, that's concerning, especially because she was sick. It wasn't, oh, my God, where is she? It was more like, oh, my God, is she okay? Is she throwing her head up? Like, what's like, does someone is need to take her to the doctor? okay? You right. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. She went over there and her car was there in the garage, but all the doors were locked. I don't know. I kind of feel like if you have a friend that close of a friend, maybe she would know or should have known like a spare key or something. But, you know, whatever. Some people just don't have spare keys. This is true. My husband's kind of a prepper, so we have like all the things. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I'll digress off that. (laughs) You know. Couldn't see any signs of her, the kids, nothing. So, of course, she called the cops because, duh, you're scared at this point. Right. I'm going to go ahead and link this in the show notes. Jessica found this very well put together kind of documentary style video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it has all the body cams from all the police men and everything that was on this. Most of the body cams. They They cut out a lot of the boring stuff. For the right. cop is just like filming the house, which yeah, yeah, I yeah. then later found and watched. <laughs> <laughs> I would say like the highlight reel, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like important the, things. Yes, of this. Okay. So that cop gets there. It's just trippy to me too, because it's like, obviously at this point we know what's happened to them. And, you know, they're looking around, they're doing everything. She's calling Chris, who was at work mm-hmm. at this point. It cuts to him coming home. Okay, I should probably give the spoiler real quick if there's even one person that's listening that doesn't know. So basically, we'll we'll kind of jump back. You know, these table talks were like all over the place, so it's fine. <laughs> Chris did kill Shannon. He killed her first, and he also killed their two daughters. He then disposed of their bodies at his workplace. I'm not going to go super into detail and all of that because we're probably going to talk about it like right now. But yeah, he killed his family. And then, of course, their unborn son, Nico, and the daughter's names are Bella and Cece, and they were three and four years old. Yes. So, yeah, that's just kind of that little tidbit in case you hadn't looked at it, had no clue, what have you. Anyway, okay. I even remember watching that first interview he did right there on his porch. And I just remember having that gut feeling that was like, he knows something or he did something. I don't think he had a very good poker face. 
No, 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 not at all. Because like I was watching some stuff on like body language and he pretty much did all of it. He was doing the opposite. Like he was shaking his head when he was saying like, you know, positive statements. He was smiling. There's a term for it, but I can't. Dr. Phil, shout out. Oh my gosh, yeah. Too. (laughs) Give me a second, Uh, it'll pop into my head. It's something like something to gloat or something. It'll pop up later. Yeah, I'm sure someone's yelling at us. It's called this. Right. Anyway, he's smiling. You know, he's got defensive body language. His arms are crossed. He's like scratching himself, like his neck and his head and all of that. Ugh. So one of the things that, well, there was obviously a few things, but one of the things that stood out a lot to me, I guess probably because, you know, I'm a parent and you like, you know, you've been around kids too and stuff was just you wanted to smack him in the fucking face when he mentioned their blankets were gone. It was like their little travel blankies that they took everywhere. Right. Which, mind you, this was, I guess, technically, would you consider it the murder weapon or just in no, it's, it too? It's considered a murder weapon, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. One he, of them was, yeah. Yeah, it was the, I can't remember which girl, which daughter it belonged to. Yeah, it was Cece's little Yankees blanket. He had used that, unfortunately, to smother both of them with it. So when he had said this, in my head, I'm like, well, of course it's fucking gone. You fucking killed them with it. Right, but at this point in the investigation, they have no clue what's Mm -hmm. going on. Oh, yeah, no, at this point, they think maybe, you know, the cops are just approaching it as... Well, have you checked everywhere? Have you talked to everybody? You know, did you call X, Y, and Z? Like, they're just being like, well, maybe they're somewhere and she just forgot to tell you. Mm-hmm. Well, another big thing that was a red flag for her best friend, because the cops, you know, obviously don't know her personally. So this wasn't a huge deal to them. Right. But Shannon's phone was there on like. It was in the couch like, cushions, wasn't it? There's like a, um, like a ledge by their stairs. Oh, no, no, that's his phone. I swear to God, yeah, because they were looking at it, and she because was like, that's Shannon's phone. In the the actual, like, long-ass interview that I watched or listened of his, he says that he went and threw, like, he moved things around. Oh. Like, he purposely put her purse somewhere. He purposely put her phone on the, on the couch and did that kind of stuff to make it okay. look like she just up and walked away. But I understand why you would think that that was her phone, because that was a feminine-ass case. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was like white and teal or something. Right. Like. No, like, this is such a girl. I'm like, mm, this is a girl case. Because at first I was like, oh, he has his wife's phone. Unless they had already found the phone at this point and brought it up to him. Yeah. But at some point I'm like, mm, no. It's not even just like a, you know, how everyone's attached to their phones. She was a part of the, I'm just going to say it, the MLM. Sorry thrive and of course it's like with that kind of job you're on your phone 24 fucking 7 and she was like always taking videos of their daughters little inspirational videos for her business all this stuff Mm -hmm. so like he even says like when they're talking about it because i think i think they brought the phone up to him on the ledge oh Uh, yeah that would make sense because that's when he started calling people right and so he's like talking about like he even says they asked him, is this unusual that she would leave her phone? He goes, yeah, because this is her whole life. Like her whole livelihood is her phone. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she would just up and leave it. Yeah. Like there's strange. Yeah. Like nothing. And then I think this was right after the phone part. Chris conveniently, because this goes into what you were saying about him placing shit places. 
he goes and finds her wedding finds quote quote her wedding rings on the on the dresser in the bedroom Mm-hmm. When she does admit to later that he did it purposely, she didn't take off her wedding ring. He took it off. Yeah. And he said, like, the only thought is the reason he did it is at that moment, he's like, when they come, because he knew eventually they were going to come looking for them. Mm-hmm. That he could be like, nope, she left her ring behind. I just don't think he thought it was going to happen so fast. I didn't think so either. I think that's that was definitely a huge uh, hiccup for him. Because that, that was fast turnaround. It was like with an hour. It was in with less than, I would, it's like what, six or so hours of so when they were killed, essentially? He some, yeah, he said something like it was about like four something in the morning mm-hmm. when it all happened. And it took him a while to get like downstairs and everything. And then he left about 515. Mm-hmm. I have something on that. So one of the little old ladies that's their neighbors that they interviewed. She Mm. even she even said the one weird thing was she was like, you know, I noticed his truck lights were on. I go to the gym around five, but I'm the only crazy person up doing that this early in our neighborhood. Everyone else is normally still asleep. She's like, I thought that was a little odd, but was like, whatever, and went on to the gym. So her parents lived with them for like a period of time. Mm -hmm. And he said that in the entire time that he lived there, Chris never backed the truck in. Right. He either didn't park in the driveway at all or parked straight forward. Like nose in. Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then just it fucking pissed me off when he was, because they had it on the body cam, obviously, with him calling her friends and stuff. And he's just like, oh, hey, Tammy, this is Chris. I'm just wondering if you saw Shannon. Da-da-da-da. Like, so just like, whatever. Right. Like, just so calm, so cheery. Just like, I'm just calling you to say what's up. Uh, and then the other thing back to the body language. And I know I sent you this video the other day was when they went to the other neighbor's house to watch like his security camera footage. Cause they could see Chris loading mm. the truck up. Who, if you want to see someone nervous as fuck, just go watch that. Oh yeah. Even the neighbor was like, he's not acting right. Here's the thing. Chris Watts is not a very good tell like he's not someone you're gonna want to like if you have a poker team he he doesn't have a good poker face and I think he was just in over his head and that's like the one people when people call him a sociopath I'm like he can't lie though like Mm -mm. when he took the polygraph test (laughs) yes (laughs) and next on my list oh yeah and Tammy who is the investigator she does this like polygraph test on him I thought this was pretty cool because I didn't know this like how they administered polygraph tests Mm -hmm. is that like they would draw the number three right but then we're gonna ask you did you draw all of these numbers and we want you to lie about drawing number three when Mm -hmm. we ask you we want you to say no because that's how they tell you're lying right and it was funny because when you watch the footage of that polygraph test she'll ask him a question and he'll answer and she just fucking stares at him like Mm -hmm. oh you fucking lying you super lying oh yeah because she even told him she was like you're a terrible liar this is great (laughs) yeah she was like this is great because we're gonna figure out what you're yeah i know she just straight up told him and then she administered the actual polygraph test Mm -hmm. so at this point like he's like knowing going in he's not gonna pass this test yeah he knows he's fucked so that led to his first 
quote unquote confession. And I have feelings about this interrogation. And just so that all our listeners are aware of, this happened on the 15th. Yes, this was literally like, boom, boom. boom. This all happened really fast. So essentially, he commits the murders. The police get involved. August 14th, they get the missing persons out. He does Mm -hmm. the interview on TV, which is what Tara was alluding to with his body language and just being an all right bad liar. (laughs) And then flash forward, he's now being interrogated by the police on the 18th or on the Mm -hmm. 15th. By the way, Mm -hmm. he also got fired on the 15th. Yes, he did. His bosses were like, "Mm -hmm, your wife is missing and they're accusing you. Bye. Yup. (laughs) Yup. I have feelings though about this. So I feel like the interrogation. Yes. Let me, let me hear your feelings. I feel, and I know I'm not alone because I was watching other stuff later and they said basically what I thought was thinking. I feel like at this point they had no fucking clue what was going on. They had no clue on any leads, but they knew he was lying. Right. He wanted to swear up and down. Nothing was going on. Whatever. Okay. So then they say, you know, they got the good cop, bad cop crap going on. They have the female cop being all like nice and like at one point like rubbed his back and, you know, comforting all that (laughs) bullshit. Obviously, she knows he's a piece of shit, but whatever. Anyway, that's not the point I'm like irritated with. The point I'm irritated with was, in my opinion, and if I'm if you guys think I'm all wrong, sorry. But I feel like when they started suggesting stuff, he just ran with it. Like they started suggesting Maybe Shannon had got pissed. Maybe Shannon had provoked it. Maybe Shannon had killed the kids. Is she the one who did it? And you were just trying to take care of it. Are you trying to protect her? Are you trying to cover it up, et cetera, et cetera. And at this point, he's just like, not saying anything. His dad had already flown out. And so they bring his dad in. And another thing that jumps out at anybody who knows anything about true crime was like, he didn't want to be in that interrogation room anymore. He wanted to go talk to his dad outside where there's no camera. Right. But they're like, fuck no, like, no, he'll come in here. It'll be fine. There's people outside, which, you know, this picked up coverage quick. I remember following it in real time. Well, it's because people like Nancy Drew fucking saw it and were like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, this motherfucker right here is guilty as hell. Like she had convicted him in the media far before anyone else or himself Mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. So dad comes in. And good old Ron Ron, and is just, you know, taking that approach. Like, is there something you want to tell me? I don't know if you caught this. You probably did. And he's like, they know about the affair. Like his dad already knew about it. Did that come out when he was visiting back home or? So, okay. So he talks about it in the interview because the same, mind you, the same FBI agents who are like, interviewing him in this whole process mm-hmm. are the ones who go back and have that like almost five hour long conversation with him. Which what it, we'll get into. Yeah. <laughs> I got some tea for you folks. And in that he talks about how when he was back in North Carolina, he was texting Nicole, his yeah. fucking mistress. Who um, we'll talk about too, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Nicole. So he was texting Nicole and his family who, mind you, they already had a very strained relationship with Shannon. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. know if it's Shannon or Shannon or what it is. It's a very difficult name to, because nobody says it right. Like, even Chris says it three different ways. And I'm like, I'm going to go with Shannon. I feel like that's like, I know her parents kind of have like an accent. So that probably doesn't help us figure out how to say it. But like, no. that's the closest. You know what I mean? Shannon. 
So if we're saying it wrong, we're not doing it on purpose. I have right. a weird name, so I get it. Yeah, Tara. It's all good. Oh God, let's not. Please never call me that. <laughs> Listen, I won't correct someone if they do if they mispronounce my name. That's the bad thing. But it's like inside, I'm just like, God damn it, stop it. <laughs> okay, I have to do a side note because. This is a very fun, this is a very funny story. And I think Sixers will get it. When I was in fifth grade, I was the only girl in my class. I went to a very small private school. The only fucking girl. The fucking teacher called me Jennifer all year long. And I'm not kidding you. Like literally all year long, she called me fucking Jennifer. I was in fifth grade. It was horrible. Oh no. So I kind of developed this like weird, like, ah, like anyone who calls me Jennifer, I'm like, it's Jessica. <laughs> um, so the other day at work, this lady calls. She's talking to me for her boss. She keeps calling me Jennifer. And I'm like, yeah, it's Jessica. Like, I keep correcting her. And about the third mm-hmm. time, I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to correct her anymore. <laughs> so as I'm getting off the phone with her, I call her by a different name. Her name was like Lisa, and I called her Linda. Because I wanted her to experience this. And so then she corrected me. She's like, oh, no, it's Lisa. And I was like, oh, okay. I write this bitch an email <laughs> to confirm which in my email, it says Jessica Stanton, blah, 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 membership director, blah, blah, blah. Right? Oh, my God. She replies back. Thank you, Jennifer. This is great information. I no. Wrote, I, you know my ass wrote back. You're welcome, Linda. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> oh my, my coworker God. was like, this didn't just happen. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, if you're going to call me by a different name, I'm going to call you by a different. I have the easiest fucking name in the goddamn world. Well, and it's not even even if you have like a, you know, more unique name in an email, especially professional email, your signature is multiple lines. It jumps it out at you. It's this big. It's, it's got my name, my title, my company, our address, mm-hmm. both of my phone numbers. Oh, yeah. Like my email address, my website. It's got a lot of shit in it. I believe it, though. My at my my day job before I started editing, my name was huge. My name was like this. I can't. Sorry, I'm blocked. My camera's blocked, but I can see (laughs) you. I just because I have my notes up. I can see you, but I can't see me. Anyway, my freaking name is like this goddamn big and they would still spell it wrong. And I'm like, how? How? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry, guys. Back to the back. We're talking about Shannon. Shannon, rest in peace, sweetie. Like, seriously, please. His parents didn't like her to begin with. Mm. There had been, and I'll talk about it later, there had been this, like, really long, like, kind of feud and then something that happened while they were in North Carolina. He was over there, and he was texting Nikki, and so his dad was like, what's going on? Okay, that makes sense. Because I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. He's acting like he kn- I know he's being calm because he's trying to get shit out of him, but it felt like to me he knew. So that's that was correct on my part. Okay, cool. And I, and I think that maybe he had been in Colorado long enough and Nikki had come out by this time mm-hmm. and started making statements mm-hmm. and whatnot that I think it was well known that he'd had an affair. And so... I'm sure someone had shared that. The guy didn't look shocked at all. Yeah, I mean, this story just exploded. And it was like kind of at first, I didn't realize it exploded because I still followed or still do even like Colorado news station, like Facebook pages and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, of course, someone like me is going to see. But no, this it was everywhere. So even if Chris didn't tell him. Yeah, I think it was a lot to do with the fact that like, here's this like mom who's missing 
mm-hmm. with her two girls and she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. She hasn't taken her phone. She didn't take her daughter's medicine because her daughter required an EpiPen. Like, so mm-hmm. didn't take that or anything like that. So it's like either Shannon had like planned this to be so perfect that she was going to walk away with the girls out the back door, no trace not even tell her best friend because like I'd tell my best friend like this is Mm -hmm. what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and I think everybody knew foul play happened at some point right yeah they just didn't know who where that kind of thing in present time right they knew Chris was involved somehow they just didn't Mm -hmm. know how he was involved right which like I said I feel like he kind of got hand fed a story from the interrogators and he admits it Yeah, and because he was talking to his dad, he said about the affair, then he just stopped, and he got really quiet, and he was like, I don't want to protect her. The dad's like, you don't want to protect her, and he's like trying to probe him some more, and, you know, he basically blames Shannon, saying she killed the kids, and then that he snapped because she hurt his kids, so he hurt her. Right, and then cleaned the whole thing up. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he realized that, like, at that point, he's trying to say, like, he was protecting her Mm -hmm. by cleaning the whole thing up. Mm -hmm. But he was like, I'm done. Da-da-da. That was the story originally. Mm -hmm. So can we kind (laughs) of... Can we kind of talk about uh, Nicole a little bit here? Oh, girl. Yeah, we can talk about that bitch. And other alleged lovers. Oh, my God. Can we start with the other alleged lovers? Because those are funnier. Yes. Okay. Let's let's go ahead, Jessica. I will let I'll hand it off to you a little bit to take a break from talking. Go ahead. So I don't know their names because I was didn't give a crap about no. who they were because they were like these were just like attention seeking whores. And if you're mm-hmm. listening and you're one of these attention seeking whores, like how how horrible are you that in this tragic moment you're getting your 15 minutes of fame? I mean, like I watch an interview with one of them and they're basically like you're wasting our time, which that's what you do Mm -hmm. when you do things like this. And by the way, like I learned at the end of that really long interview that I listened to, Chris could press charges against them. I mean, he's a terrible fucking monster in my opinion, but I still would. Right. But he's like, you know what? No, like, how can I? And like, this is true. He's like, how can I throw a stone? Like, this is what I've done. I admit to what I did, but it's so funny because they're like, have you ever had a homosexual relationship? And he's like, no are you sure (laughs) I'm pretty sure like I don't think I would know this but um two men have come out and said that they were lovers Mm -hmm. of his I believe one guy's name is like Trent or Trip or something like that yeah and then another guy or maybe it's the same guy but he has like big like filled lips Mm -hmm. and I'm like he goes into detail where he says that like Chris and him met up like Chris drove to Wyoming with him to see him that he came to the house when Shannon was gone, that he was hanging out with their kids. So he's saying that he was like a lover of his for quite some time. I know, I don't know if this is the same person or if it was different, but I know that one of them even went as far as to make like fake text conversations and stuff that were just like super basic. And that's where like the cop called him out, like you said, and was like, mm-hmm. look, all this shit guy. you're saying, yeah, all this shit you're saying is literally shit anybody can google and know and then he was just like okay like the guy didn't try to defend himself nothing and so look right what i thought what i kind of laughed and i know it's terrible but the cop was like you're a booty call he gave you 60 bucks are you a hooker are you saying you're a you're a prostitute and the guy was, was like my favorite 
the guy was like, no. And I'm he just like, very oh. offended that he called him a prostitute. Yeah. But I will say that for me, one of the funnier moments in that is the guy just sat there like, and he's like, so you've actually never met Chris. And the guy just sat there. He never answered the question. Like, it wasn't just these two guys. Another woman came out. I think her name was Amanda or something like that. Or Amy. It started with an A. Asshole. Where she just came out and said that she and Chris had a relationship like he and Nikki had. Mm -hmm. And that their affair had gone on for so long. But all of that turned out to be not true. Mm -hmm. Because... Up until Nicole Kissinger, which is the fucking bitch that he cheated on Shannon with, Chris had never even thought of straying. Like, it's kind of like I started to be- I start to believe what he says, because if it's like if he's going to admit and tell you, like, I killed my children, like, why would he lie about anything else? Yeah, you got a point. Right. So he met Nicole through work. She worked at mm-hmm. the petroleum company with him as well. Mm-hmm. and he had been he'd gotten like at that point he'd gotten moved up and up to a position where every day he had to come in for like an hour and a half and be in the office and that's when he met her and mm-hmm. they started flirting he says he like felt guilty at first that he was flirting with her and then like they started texting and it started out as like texting about sports and then mm-hmm. text, and then it became flirty and so when it turned to be about flirty this is when Shannon told him that they were pregnant right he found out she was pregnant and when you watch the video of him like finding out because she put Mm -hmm. on the shirt that says whoops we did it again yeah he doesn't seem like all that excited like I'll just talk about this here because I don't think it's going to come up again he said in the interview he's like I was scared he's like we had two kids we were like we had debt like I was scared And then I was feeling guilty because I knew I'd been flirting with this woman. And what's interesting, too, is in one of the text threads she had with whoever, one of her friends, it was, yeah, Chris talked me into it. He convinced me to have this third kid because, honestly, they had like $70,000 worth of debt. Well, he, he does explain that in the interview. So when with his other two children, it took them like months to get pregnant. But I don't know. Right. Okay. So he, what he says, and this is just what he says, is that they started to try. Literally, it was twice and we got pregnant. Oh, fucking well, you want to act like an adult. There's right. your adult, you know, I don't want to say consequence because kids aren't consequences, but there's your adult yeah. results. I think he just didn't think it through and oops, whoops. Like, I don't think it was a whoops. I think that they were trying. They he thought said, he had more time, quote unquote. He did. And I think maybe in that time, and this is just speculation, is that he'd kind of started to change his mind. Because, like, I think he he had indicated that things were rough with them and, like, they just weren't mm-hmm. connecting. And, mm-hmm. like, a lot of people, they think, like, well, baby will bring us back together. Because that's, I think, when they were the closest is when their daughters were, like, babies. I don't know. I don't really fucking feel bad for his dumb ass at this point because it's like, I don't know. That's the problem with this. Like, you don't 100% know how someone's relationship is, but it's like from the text messages, mm-hmm. you have Shannon reaching out to him, trying to talk to him, sending him resources like books, links, all this other mm-hmm. shit. And he's just like, short answers, talking to Nicole. 
whatever. So it's just, it's kind of infuriating. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't fucking feel bad. You got your wife pregnant. And you shouldn't (laughs) feel bad. I'm just, I'm relaying like a a side of what he's saying. And Oh yeah, no, you're um, fine. So then he's like continuing on this, like kind of like flirty friendship with Nicole. Mm -hmm. And then something happens and Shannon and the girls go back to North Carolina. Yeah, they went back there for six weeks, and it was... Five of those weeks, he was in Colorado by himself. Right. I don't know if this happened while Shannon was gone or what. I know, I remember hearing in Nicole's interview, it was around Father's Day, so maybe they hadn't left yet. He admits first that he has kids, because at first he didn't say jack shit about any of them. Like, hearing him and her story, it's a little, it's a little mixed Basically what they're saying is that, or his story is that he was at work and they started talking and she said something and he said like, oh, we have something to do this weekend or we have to go out of town or, you know, we're going to North Carolina. And she was like, who is this we you keep talking about? And here is where like, I don't believe anything that she says because he's like, Mm -hmm. I opened my phone to show her my lock screen is the picture of my wife. And then I open it and I show her the picture in the background of my phone, which is my kids. Mm-hmm. So like when she's at first, cause she kind of said like, I didn't know he had a wife and kids until like mm-hmm. much later. I call fucking bullshit. Like you work with this person. Other people know that he has a wife and kids. And like, she had been talking about him to other people who knew that he had a wife and kids. So I don't trust this bitch right. because she's no. fucking shady as hell. So, oh yeah. Fucking Googling book deals and all this other oh, yeah. shit right oh, after. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like the 18th of August. Yeah. Yeah. Literally days after. And so then he, they go back to North Carolina and they're gone for six weeks. Five of those weeks, he, you know, he's not with her. And he says like, we just went and hung out once. And then it just kind of spiraled out of control. And one mm-hmm. of the things I think I do believe him when he says this, and I don't feel sorry for him, but I believe him is that he said that if he hadn't met Nicole, none of this would have happened. And he admits that it's him, that the moment that he met Nicole, he started changing. He was put on a path that I don't think he was equipped to handle. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. Maybe she had some influence. I know some people think maybe her hand was a little bit more into the pot than that. I do. I think she Mm -hmm. is, because like they've uncovered that she has said like, I've never wanted to date a guy with kids and like, you know, Mm -hmm. who had kids prior. And so I think for Chris, like this happened so fast that he was like, I don't know what to do. And then it's like one of those stupid sayings, like out of sight, out of mind. Like, I think she was in North Carolina and then some shit happened. We can talk about that now. Some shit happened with Shannon and his family. So if you want to back up to 2012, like Shannon and Chris got married then. Like, they moved to Colorado right before they got married. But they went back and got married in North Carolina. hmm So, Shannon started fighting every little thing with, like, with his mom. And granted, he admits, like, his mom kind of instigated some things. And saying, like, when we got married, like, when her generation got married, we didn't have such big fancy rings. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, we just had simple things. We didn't need that to feel validated. Like, shit like that. And right. Shannon personality and a lot of people have said this she's very domineering she's Mm -hmm. a very much like speaks my mind Italian girl and Mm -hmm. she had none of it and it got to the point where they got into so many fights right before the wedding none of his family but his grandma came that's sad 
Right. Because of this. And then there's been a couple other times. So when they were in North Carolina, their daughter, Cece, has a nut allergy. She's allergic to a lot of Mm -hmm. foods. Yeah. So here's the story. The family joked about it up until like, well, they kind of still joke, I guess. They call it the nut gate, which that's a funny name. But (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So what happened was this. They're all hanging out at his parents' house. He's not there, mind you. He's in Colorado with his stupid mistress. They're there, and his niece goes into the freezer at his mom's house and grabs out a container of pistachio ice cream. Right. So then goes and sits on the couch right next to Cece, who has a nut allergy. Mm-hmm. And Shannon freaks the fuck out because she walks in and sees this, that nobody has stopped this girl from eating a nut product near her daughter. Now, mind you, Chris says, yes, she does have a nut allergy. However, she's not like, close your throat, allergic to nuts. She's like, break out in hives. But Shannon accuses Chris's mom of trying to murder her daughter. Oh, God. So there's this whole big fight where they're like, you did this and like, you don't even care about your grandkids. And she basically tells Chris, look, we're not going back over there the whole time we're here. You can't fucking talk to your family anymore. We're done with them. Shit. And so this is the second time that this level of explosion has happened. Mm -hmm. And Chris automatically took his wife's side, even in all this shit. Like, even though he was cheating on her, he still took her side. Like there was on the 4th of July, like she called him and he was at his mistress's house. Mm -hmm. And then when he got off the phone with her, he's like, I got to go. And she's like, why? You've already talked to her. He's like, because if she calls back, I want to be at home. Hmm. And he said like, even though I was cheating on my wife, my wife came first. So it's kind of like, okay, dude, like you needed counseling. That's what you really needed. You needed an intervention. (laughs) So essentially like there's this big rift that's caused between like, Chris and his family Mm -hmm. and so then when he finally comes back because he spends the last week that they're there together in North Carolina Shannon's like well we're not taking the kids over there if you want to go see your family you can go see your family Mm -hmm. and so he went and saw his parents and that's when the dad was like what's going on who are you texting blah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah because he was still blowing her shit up over there and then supposedly Mm -hmm. He had said, I love you to her, to Nicole. Mm -hmm. And Nicole was like, no. She had said in an interview, he was trying to fix shit with his wife. So I didn't want to hear it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't believe a word that comes out of that cunt's mouth. I mean, like, I don't like. That's why I was like, supposedly. Right. Like, I don't trust her. Like, this is the bitch who is like looking up, like in the same Google search time frame, looked up wedding dresses looked up his wife and yeah, so like she looked up Shannon like an ungodly amount of times like she was looking at her shit all the time right so like when she says I didn't know that Chris and Shannon were pregnant like I'm like mm, you fucking Facebook stalked her mm-hmm. and yeah. she googled early on in their relationship does it ever work out for the mistress <sighs> You know, what's funny is a lot of people compare this case and scenario with Scott Peterson and his mistress and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's kind of funny. Well, they compare it because she Googled how much her net worth was and how much she made off her books. Yeah. 
Like, Scott Peterson's mistress had a fucking story. Like, bitch, you guys were together a month and a half. Like, you talked for two months. Like, you've only known each other two months before this happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to buy that book. Fuck no. I might buy his book, but I'm not going to buy her book. Mm, I'm all right. I would buy his book if the money was going to pay restitution. Because <laughs> then it's helpful. So, Nicole made, like, all of these statements. So, like, for instance, I talked about the 4th of July incident. Then she, like, freaked out. And she was like, I can't believe you're putting her first. And, like, you know, you're leaving. And it's like, this is my wife. And granted, like, there was no way that Chris is going to get caught. She was in fucking call. She was in North Carolina. Though, a lot of people were texting her or messaging her or calling her and saying, like, he's got someone else. Mm. So she, Shannon had an idea. I remember she kept like being like, just tell me if you're cheating. Just tell me if you're having an affair, you know, blah, blah, blah. And nope. Like they went out to San Diego and they took the girls to the ocean. He's like, while we were sitting on the beach, she just looked at me and she's like, just tell me, like, I need to know. And it's kind of like, you suspect your husband's cheating. Don't wait for proof. Just go. Yep. And like, the thing is, is he's not a good liar. Not at all. Not at all. So she, like, when he's saying, no, there's no one else, like, she had to be like, you're fucking lying. Well, exactly. They'd been together eight years. So you kind of know a person I would be safe to venture and say. Most definitely. And so, like, Nicole, like, so she came forward a couple of days after. So basically, this is what happened. The storyline of Nicole finding out. So they get back from North Carolina and then Shannon goes out of town. And then that Saturday night, he says, oh, I got tickets to a Rockies game. And he mm-hmm. gets a babysitter. And here's the thing. This is something that's so interesting. He talks about, like, I listened to the um, interview with the girl who babysat. She's like a friend of his daughter. She's not mm-hmm. very old. She's like 13. And so he says when he called up his friend or texts his friend to be like, hey, can your daughter babysit? His friend was like, yeah, but like, hey, I have tickets to the Broncos game. Do you want to go? And he said, like, Mm -hmm. he has sat back and thought about that moment almost as much as the moment that, like, he's thought about killing his family. If he had just said, yes, I want to go to the Broncos game and told Nicole, I don't want to go hang out with you. Like, I can't get a babysitter or whatnot, that he doesn't think life would have turned out this way. I don't know. And here's the thing. This is his own reflection. Yeah. I mean, true. And one of the things that the FBI agent said is that he is not an, if not this time, the next time type killer. Interesting. The profiler said that he is more, this happened, this one time happened, and this is, would be the only time Chris would ever kill was this one time. Hmm. Interesting. It is. So Chris and Nicole's relationship obviously was, you know, hidden. So then he goes to, instead of going to a Rockies game, like he said he was, they go out to like a sports bar and have a date. And Mm -hmm. then he comes Mm -hmm. home on that Saturday night. And then Sunday he takes the girls to a birthday party. Mm -hmm. And then they're, they're there all day. And then he comes home and puts them to bed. And then that's when Shannon gets home. Now, on Monday night, after the killing and everything, when Nicole is texting him, mm-hmm. Nicole is texting him about, like, where is everyone? And she's freaking out. And they have been most of the evening on the phone. Right. It's so weird. And then, like, two days later, she gives an interview to the FBI. And then she calls back later. 
And it's very interesting because like this, I listen to both her interviews and her second mm-hmm. interview is so like attention seeking. Yeah. That was that the one where it was actually like on Dateline or whatever, you know, like televised. I think so yeah. Yeah. But she's done like interviews like that too. Right. But like the interview she gave, she gave two interviews to the FBI. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, just the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think in that documentary was the first one because basically she was just like, he lied to me about, you know, his kids and family. So what else is he lying about? I just had a bad feeling kind of thing. But it seems like she kind of, when she started doing her research on how as disgusting as this is, how this would benefit her. Right. Her attention seeking grew. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. She was all about how she could make some money off the situation. And she took it any and every opportunity she could to talk about it. And it's like totally cool guys you know like like the fact that she like googled like scott peterson's mistress and like how much money she made from her book i was just like oh dear god Mm -hmm. but then here's the weird thing so she admits to deleting the conversations off of her phone Mm -hmm. with chris and chris says that she told him to delete conversations off his phone but he just didn't and this is what was interesting he's like i knew i was gonna get caught i just made it easier for you true well, and that was the thing, too, because, like, I remember that FBI agent being like, are you sure there's not another reason besides you were mad at him that you deleted this? You're not hiding anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she kept being like, nope, I just did it like he's out of my phone. He's out of my life. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Right. But here's the thing, like, your boyfriend is mm. being accused of murder and you are the mistress If you had nothing to hide, like if this was just like a case, like I fell in love with the wrong man. I wish I hadn't. Like, I feel so sorry. Like my respect to the family. Mm -hmm. I would be like, here are all my text messages. Here's all our emails. Here's every scrap of communication we've ever had. Let Mm -hmm. me help you. Because I think that there's something like he says, like when, because the FBI agents ask him, like, did Nicole like persuade you? And he's like, I don't think it was like directly. I think she was playing mind games like mm-hmm. Shannon's brother Frankie's like I think she played mind games with him like you can't have a family to be with me and he was feeling all these like endorphins and like you know love for Nicole because you know he was just going through this shit with Shannon and then here's this woman who's like into outdoors things and does things that he wants to do and like the one thing he says in the interview, they talk about their relationships, like the differences mm-hmm. between Nicole and Shannon. Shannon is like, would be like, okay, Chris, we're going to Spaghetti Factory for dinner. We're doing this. We're doing that. Like, she was just very direct and she told him what to do, where to be, how to act. That was his role. And he was okay with it mm-hmm. until he met Nicole. And Nicole was like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what's your right. opinion? I think psychologically, that's why their relationship kind of grew. Because it was like the first time that he ever really got to be in control of a situation because his mom is like that. Mm -hmm. So that's just my two cents on on that. So earlier this month is when the first set of the tapes came out because, like Jessica said, these FBI agents went back to interview Chris further. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if you're sensitive to stuff with children and graphic material you're not going to listen to this episode probably at all but if you are this is pretty horrific but if you are listening and you're kind of borderline and you kind of know what's going on feel free to skip ahead I can timestamp it in the show notes 
So he finally admits that he killed all four of them. He explains that when they had their quote-unquote emotional conversation, that this is when he had said to her, I'm going to fucking leave you. I want a divorce, et cetera, et cetera. Now, keep in mind, when they're having this, supposedly he's like straddling (laughs) her, sitting on her, because I think this was after they supposedly had sex. She came home. He was asleep. She got into bed with him there for about 20, 30 minutes. And then, like, rolled over. And then, like, they had, like, a sign. Like, their sign was, like, she would rub his leg or his chest in, like, a certain way. Mm. And it meant, like, let's do it. Yeah. And so they had sex. And then they go to sleep. And he gets up to work out. And when he's getting up to work out, she, like, wakes up and starts having the conversation with him. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that's when he was like, he had gotten on her or whatever, but that was described as like, you know, when you're like chilling on your partner kind of thing, not like gonna attack her yet. Like they started talking and then she went back to sleep and then it was just eating at him. Like he couldn't Mm -hmm. stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And so he woke her up and then he climbed on top of her. Like, yeah, like he was just straddling her like lower half. Right. Like, hey, we need to fucking talk about this, whatever. They were that way for 15 minutes, according to him. Yeah. So he's like sitting on the baby, basically. No. Yeah. So basically what he had said from the edited version that I watched, what set him off was that she had said, well, you're never going to see the girls again and you're never going to see this baby ever. And supposedly that set him off. That is accurate to what he says is that. Okay. He goes, I don't know why. And he admits it. He goes, I don't know why I got on top of her. I could have just sat next to her. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I think I was just angry. And then she said it. And it was like, he's like, I don't even know what happened. Like, Mm -hmm. it was like one minute I was fine. And then the next it was like, I was choking her. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't stop. He's like, it was like someone else was holding my hands there. Like in his mind, he's like, I should stop. And this is just what he says. I don't condone. I don't whatever. This is just what he says. Yeah. Is that he says, I just couldn't stop. And then, you know, but the weird thing is she never fought back because all of the defensive wounds that he would have had from someone Mm -hmm. like that, he had zero. So he strangles Shannon and Bella comes in and asks if mommy's all right. Yeah. He says she's just not feeling well, blah, 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 and scoots her out of the room. Mm-hmm. And I know there's some people that's like, well, I wonder if she hadn't seen anything. Would he have killed his kids? You know, that kind of stuff, which I think is a good point because it's like everybody describes this child as very advanced for her mm-hmm. age. Oh, most and, definitely. And, and you guys will see why in a second. So Chris wraps Shannon up in their bed sheets, which mm-hmm. he left their bed bare even in that first walkthrough because it's right. hot, it pointed out that there's nothing on the bed. There's no fitted sheet, no nothing. Then we, you know, circle back to this footage that they had of him loading shit up into the truck well he was loading shannon and the girls up to the truck at this point the girls are still alive mind you so that answers that question so then he doesn't even put her in the truck bed he puts her in the fucking back on the fucking floor where his two kids are gonna sit right they didn't even have their car seats he just put them in there so basically their feet were like they were on her yeah he didn't have the car seats and probably was one of those things like i can't Take the time 
I just yeah. need to know. Yeah, because it took him almost yeah. an hour to load up the truck. I think one of the things is like he would have had to be seen by the camera mm-hmm. putting the car seats in the yeah. car. Yeah, because he would have had to come on the other side. Because mm-hmm. he was just on that. Well, like obviously when he put them in there, he was obviously on that you know, the further side where you couldn't even see that what he was doing kind of thing. Right. He's seen that footage, but he hasn't really seen the footage. Like the mm-hmm. person only time he saw it was at, at the neighbor's house. Yeah. When they were doing the investigation and um, in the interview, he's like, I don't even remember. I couldn't tell if you could see what I was loading or not. Yeah. So they go on their, their trek to his work site, which is 45 minutes away. A long time. Riding in the car with their dead mom. And the older one kept asking, is mommy okay? You know, it goes back to him just like not remembering, not anything. Because he's just like, I think I just said, yeah, mommy's going to be okay. Uh, We're going to take her to the doctor. Yeah, he says like in the interviews, like he doesn't 100% remember what he was saying. He was just like responding. Like they would ask him a question like, one of the things they kept saying was like it smelled Mm -hmm. and he's like I can't remember if it smelled because of like Shannon like vacating her bowels or if it smelled because we were driving out by like country where there could be skunks like he's like I don't remember those details yeah so they get to the work site which he called off everybody from the night before Well, I mean, one of the things that people say about him is that he was just, like, a nice guy. And, like, for him to go out there, like, he knew it. And I don't know. Like, he even says, like, I didn't know at that time that I was going to do something. And, again, like, you've already admitted to killing them. You already have life sentences. You're not going to go back, like, because of double jeopardy. You're not going to be retried for anything. Mm -hmm. So it's not like anything that he was saying wasn't going to get, like, he couldn't be retried. I feel like if you're going to tell people that you strangled and smothered your children, like you'll say like, yeah, I thought about killing my wife ahead of time. Because for most people, that's the one thing that they can kind of wrap their head around in this story is that he killed his wife. I don't know. There's just something about it that's not sitting right with me and I can't figure it out yet. I think it just is a very oddly convenient. I don't know. Like, and he even says like, he doesn't know if like maybe subconsciously, like. I mean, you know what else it could be too is like, Maybe he truly did not call them off just so he could use that area. Maybe it was more like, oh, wait, I called everybody off of this section of the whatever. I'm going to take them there. I think that is a more accurate thing. Like, Mm -hmm. he realized that there was going to be an area where he would be able to do what he needed to do. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's like, he called them off so he could kill them. I don't think in any way that this was premeditated in the fact that... To the T. Yeah, I I don't think he was like... Shannon's coming home tomorrow, so I'm going to murder her. Like, and I don't ever think he intended to murder his kids. Like, I don't think he ever, like, in his wildest dreams thought any of this would happen. Mm. I think it just, he fucking snapped. I don't see him as, like, a Ted Bundy type person or someone Mm -hmm. who got the thrill of it. I think he fucked up. I think he got in trouble. And then, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, he gets to the site 45 minutes later. Mm. That's where he buries... Shannon and Nico in the little shallow grave. So he does clarify that. Okay. So what he says is that he takes Shannon out of the truck and takes her to the place where he's going to bury her, but realizes he doesn't want his kids to watch as he buries their mother. Okay. So he, sorry. So he doesn't want them to watch her being buried, but it's okay for the uh, older daughter to watch her younger sister get smothered. Again, I don't 
I don't know. I know. I'm just saying in their right mind. So (laughs) but I think it was like I think like he had a moment like, well, I don't want them to watch this. And I don't even think up until the point where he killed Celeste that he was like, I don't think it until he like walked in, walked up to the truck, saw her there and was just like, this is what I'm going to do. And then just did it. He doesn't ever like say a reason in killing them, really, does he? No. And that's the one thing is like, even to this day, they're like, why did you do that? And he's like, I honestly cannot tell you that I was in my right mind and that I did this correctly. Now, he could totally plead the insanity plea. He could say that he, like, killed his wife out of anger and then went insane, and that's why he killed his daughters. Mm-hmm. But he also is like, I'm going to step up and take responsibility for my fucking actions. They were horrible. I shouldn't have done this. But, I mean, they were horrible and you shouldn't have done it. So I think, like, he then kills Celeste. Mm-hmm. And is like, what do I do with her? And I think everything was done on the fly. I don't think he was like, oh, there's the oil container. That's her oil container. That's, you know, Bella's oil container. I'll let you tell Bella's because I just can't. Yeah, this is the point that made me ball like a fucking baby. And this little girl was wise beyond her years. Because remind you, she's four. So she sees her sister get murdered. He takes her to the thing and he comes back with the blanket. Mm-hmm. She says, is the exact thing that happened to Cece going to happen to me? And then he says, this is, you know, it goes back to him not remembering. He's like, I don't know if I answered her. I don't know if I was a monster and said, yes. I don't know if I said anything. And then that's when he goes and starts. And the last thing she says to him is daddy, no. Right. And after her autopsy and everything, she had plenty of defensive wounds. So she was fighting back. She had bitten her tongue several times. This little girl was fully aware of what was going on. And, you know, a four year old's like 30 pounds. You know, they're teeny little things, even less. Like if she Mm -hmm. was, you know, because my daughter's tiny. It's like, you know, she could even be smaller. So it's like, she's not like. Right bless her heart she's not going to be able to stop her dad from doing this so it's just it's fucking i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck what the circumstances are at all this fucker i hope he fucking suffers every fucking day of his goddamn life because it's like like we've joked about on the show before like i have the black heart of our friends so mm-hmm. <laughs> things don't bother me or rarely do but i don't this is a dad who yeah like his like when you watch videos of him interacting with his kids like the more heartbreaking things is that he truly loved his kids mm-hmm. and then he took their lives and like with Bella like she fought back and just so that you know every single day he's haunted by her last words well fucking good he should be right he hears them every day multiple times a day I do honestly think that he is remorseful for what he did I don't think any, like, and I don't want anyone to be like, Jessica is like, you know, she's a Chris Watts fan, because I'm not. However, you can ask Tara, I've done a ton of fucking research, and I've listened to, like, hours of footage with him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you just realize that this person fucked up in a way that I don't even think he imagined he could. That brings up a good question, because, like, this episode's super long if you haven't looked. (laughs) We talked very, very minimal about this. But something I said to Jessica before she watched or listened, whatever, to the hours and hours of his interview was, I said to him, her, was, 
I kind of get the feeling that, you know, he's not a sociopath because it's like, obviously he can't lie. But of course, narcissism is like blink, blink, blink. Maybe he mm-hmm. saw them more as an accessory in his life rather than people, whether it's the whole time or just at this point. Because that's something that's kind of classic is people who are narcissists or whatever, you know, when they have kids or whatever, it's like, oh, they're my property. They're my accessory, like, because they came from me. So they belong to me kind of thing rather than seem as people. But after watching and hearing all of that, do you still agree with that? Or do you think it's like what you just said, like just something happened that we still don't know yet that he supposedly, because see, he could be repressing it too, is my other thought. And just, we just don't know yet. And it's not the case. I don't think he ever saw his children as accessories. I think in the moment in which he he murdered them, because that's what he did, he murdered them. Mm -hmm. I think he saw them as an issue. And I think he didn't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And these aren't like infants who couldn't talk. Like Mm -hmm. Cece and Bella were going to say something to someone. Yeah. And I 100% believe that if Cece had never walked in on his on that situation, that Chris would have just gotten rid of her and had the girls. Mm-hmm. I also think he would have eventually like said that he did it because in the interview when he's talking again to the investigators and they're asking him like, why did you go with the story that like Shannon killed the girls? Mm-hmm. Right? Why did you go with that? He's like, because you suggested it. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. And he goes, if you had suggested that I killed her in rage and then killed the girls because of some other reason, I probably would have just told you the truth. Mm -hmm. Like the investigators really do say that he is not like any other killer that they've ever, or at least another family annihilator. Cause that's what he is. He's like, Mm -hmm. I wrote down his classifications of his crime and it's like, he's a mass murderer. And a family annihilator. And because of he can't fit a mold, like Tara, like if you're into true crime, you know that they look for certain things. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is something one of the detectives said is that we looked for things and they weren't there in you. And then right. vice versa, like mm-hmm. things that should like things that should have been there weren't and things that like, I don't know how to say it the other way, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> like he had qualities that most killers don't have. Like, Mm -hmm. he has empathy. He has remorse. He's upset. He, like, really does explain, like, why in court he just seemed like a stone-cold fish. The whole time he's been in prison, he was going to counseling. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I don't know how to display my emotions. I learned from my dad. If you stood there and watched his dad at sentencing, you would not have known that his dad was upset. Right. He just stood there. Mm -hmm. I'm not excusing his actions at all. But I think... Chris Watts is a person that we should pay attention to psychologically because Mm -hmm. there could be other people out there like him that we could get early warning signs from. I mean, that's one of the things I think is great. Like when something super tragic like this happens and then someone is remorseful and they're willing to help stop future things like they should. And that's, you know, what he's like, I'll help any way I can stop what I did from happening ever again. That's interesting. I'm just very cynical in general with stuff like this because it's like it reminds me of Bundy and other death row inmates, even though, you know, he did not get the death penalty thanks Mm -hmm. to the families just being like, oh, 
let me help benefit you somehow. That's what's see. It's like, it does remind me of him, but then it's also weird because it's like, he's going to rot in there either fucking way. Right. So, you know, it's just interesting. He's one of those people who says like, I probably should have gotten the death penalty and would have understood for me, it's it's so hard because it's like, I want to scream, like, why? Like, and that's the one thing is that he'll never, he, I don't think he'll ever know the true reason why this happened. I don't think it was premeditated. Know. Something just fucking snapped in him. I know that like on the Dr. Phil show, they say like, oh no, he didn't snap. He's a classic sociopath, but he's not a classic sociopath. Mm-mm. He doesn't have hardly any of the sociopathic tendencies. He does ring on the narcissist like Mm -hmm. spectrum but like it's like weird it's like he does and then he doesn't because it's like he doesn't seek attention that whole interview thing like it was interesting like when he was asked by the FBI multiple times why did you give that interview to the news he's like because they wouldn't stop calling me and I just wanted them to stop so I figured the best way to get them to stop was just to give an interview and honest to god that's like the way he got caught because as soon as he started talking on that interview anyone who had a criminal psychology degree was like Oh, fucker, you did something. Mm-hmm. Well, it was funny because I guess Shannon's mom had even told him, like, don't do it. And he still did it. <laughs> so he he said that he had, like, opposing people were, like, telling him, like, no, you shouldn't do it. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help her. You shouldn't give any test. And, like, you shouldn't do that. Just, like, let them run the story. Like, give mm-hmm. them the information, but don't give an interview. But then he had friends who were like, no, be the husband that's making the plea for your family to come home. And it's like, we've established that Chris can't lie. So like, (laughs) this is a lie. Like, he can't call out and be like, I need my family to come home because he doesn't have that ability to. No, because it was literally like a a sentence. It was like, just come home. That's it. Like, it was like, not nothing. So it was like, oh, and he was using past tense. He only said their names. Like he said Shannon's name once. He said Bella's name once. He never mentioned Celeste. Like he hardly mentioned the baby. I think he mentioned like Shannon and the baby. Mm-hmm. He never said Nico. Mm-hmm. Right. But at that point in time, like Nico hadn't been leaked out, like what they were going to name the baby. And just since you brought up Nico, his name mm-hmm. is Nico Lee, hmm. which is like Nicole. Ew. Gross. I don't like that. I don't either. So this is like the weird thing where he's like, no, here's the thing. His middle name is Lee. And apparently Nico is a name that she really loved. Mm-hmm. But I just am like, uh, that's too much. So I'm like, is this like from the grave? This baby's like, she did it. Because that's the other thing. One of the conspiracy theories about her is that she was hiding in the basement while this all happened. And she made him take the kids. <gasps> Oh, man. It's not real at all, but... (laughs) Yeah. He's like, nope, that's not what happened. Oh, man. I don't even... Nope. I do want to tell people about what he was convicted of. Because I feel like people are probably like, oh, he's just serving life. No. The dude got... The dude got... (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So we'll close on that. Let's go ahead and tell what he's got. So he is serving three life sentences consecutively. He got 48 years for the death of Nico. And then additional 12 years for a, a, like an unlawful termination pregnancy. And then also like, I think like six more years per count of children. But what was interesting of what he was charged with, it was so different. He was charged with five counts of murder in the first degree, one count per child of death of a child that had not attained the age of 12. And the defendant was in position of trust and power. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a fucking weird one. And then obviously the unlawful pregnancy and then 
three counts of tampering with the deceased bodies. Right. Yeah. He basically pled guilty on uh, November 6th, 2018, which like, Mm -hmm. as as I was reading this and I was like, what? Like that was so close to my wedding. Yeah. Like I was like, damn. Mm -hmm. And he confesses to his attorneys like pretty quickly after he's arrested. Mm -hmm. It was like two weeks after he was arrested. He told us like, he's like, look, this is what happened. He told him everything. Yeah, I feel like that's why this also moves so quickly, too. Right. And they were like, they asked him, like, they're like, what do you want to do? And he's like, what do you want to do? I just confess. They're like, do you want to plead guilty? Do you want us to go to court and fight for you? I think they would have gone to court if death penalty had still been on the table. Mm-hmm, definitely. But because of, like, Shannon's family, Frank and Cindy, mm-hmm. I think their names are, they, they went and they pleaded with the district attorney not to give him death. But I think after the Dr. Phil show, they're like, well, the mom was still felt the same way. She was like, enough people have fucking died. He's going to suffer. I know that. So that hers is religious because she feels like nobody has the right to only God can determine when you die type thing. So she's interesting. She also said she got visited by their spirits, which is like a whole nother thing, which I feel like we could do a whole episode on. Uh, Yes. Cause that is paranormal in my mind. But the dad was like, fuck that. I wish they would have. He mm-hmm. fucking deserves it. Like, he's like, I don't give a fuck. Right. And so they gave testimony at his sentencing. And it was very emotional. So that was the sentence him, what he was convicted of, and that he was going to serve three consecutive life sentences. And then on December 3rd, he was moved out of state for, like, security concerns. Because when he was in the Colorado prisons... They basically had to put him in isolation because the inmates there, like... They knew. (laughs) They knew who he was, and they were, like... And they weren't even, like, giving him death threats. They were trying to convince him to kill himself. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a whole other kind of fucking my game. Right. So now he's in a facility called Dodge Institution, and he's in the Max prison up there, and it's in Wisconsin. And essentially, right now, he is in a pod where other undesirable criminals go that wouldn't be safe in other pods. Right. So he's got about 11 people and he's got his own room. And so I think that at the end of the day, like this horrible crime happened. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know, like I start to think about the loss of their lives and I want to cry. I think about like my nieces and my nephews. You know, and like, I have a brand new baby nephew, like he's four and a half months old. And I just think like, if somebody ever hurt him, I'd be murdering someone. Oh, absolutely. Like Matt and I had kind of discussed because like, you know, if I'm watching stuff on TV after our child goes to bed, like he's right there. And he was just like, you know what, if we were the parents in that case, he's like, I don't know if that husband would have even made it to his hearing, you know? Nope. I mean, that's why they had to move him is that it wasn't just like, oh, there's a rumor that someone's going to kill him in prison. There was like a legit like hit out on his life in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And this is like, I'm of two minds when it comes to sentencing like this, like in some cases, very pro death penalty. And it has, Mm -hmm. it goes, for me, it's case by case. Right. I think if he wasn't showing any kind of remorse, I'd be like, let that fucker fry. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, there's this like sweet irony that he has to live with the rest of his life however long that is being tormented by what he did because Mm -hmm. that's the one downside to the death penalty for the families 
yeah. victims yeah. is that that person is no longer suffering. That person, they're not here anymore. But I think Frank and Cindy can live the rest of their days knowing that he has to look at the faces of his family and his nightmares forever. Yep, I agree with that. Because that's like my reflex is like, fry that fucker but you know the more you think about it and stuff like that it's like then if they did that then he's only got this remorse and all this crap he's dealing with it's only going to be for x amount of years versus 10 years versus 60 plus years at the most you know what i'm saying he's he's a year old yeah he's a year older than me yeah so say he lives to be 90 something that means he's got 60 fucking years of being tormented every fucking day. And he's going to die, obviously. So it's like, i rather him suffer for that long than die. Right. It's not like oh. he, he has the option to be immortal. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, like it's not like, I mean, if that was the case, it'd be like, fucking fry him. But I, yeah. even then, it's like, even if he was immortal, like, I don't know. The one thing I hope that really does happen is that the FBI does learn from this. I mean, the FBI agents really liked him as a person. Like, that's the weird twist in all of this is, they were excited to go back and talk to him and not just because he was like a murderer, but right. because like you will actually hear them. They just start like during downtimes, like they're waiting for the guard to come get them. They record the whole thing. Like they're just shooting the shit. Obviously they know stuff about his personal life. So I just hope that they can glean something from this and that maybe in the future, first and foremost, this is my plea to people. If you have anger issues, if you have feelings of not being yourself, if you have any kind of like mental distress, find someone to help you. Mm-hmm. There's free hotlines. There's apps. There's all kinds of stuff. I'll do a little research between now and when this is going up on this Monday, <laughs> whatever Monday it is, <laughs> a week from today. So the 25th. And I'll just put a couple resources. You know, we're not sponsored by any of these guys. I know some podcasts are and stuff, but it's just like just some basic resources. If you're listening to this and it's like you just need someone to talk to, even if it's not anger, anger issues, any kind of mental health stuff, if you just we'll put some stuff for you down there. And if you aren't dealing with this, but you see someone you think is struggling, know that it might be the most awkward conversation of your life. Mm hmm but have that conversation with them because when they interviewed one of his friends, he said, I just kept wishing I kept pushing forward. I didn't want to intrude. I didn't want to like figure out what was happening. Like I didn't want to get on the mix of it. Like if you love someone, get up in the fucking mix of it. Like it might be uncomfortable or you might feel like a asshole, but like I'm not obviously putting any blame on this friend, but it's like maybe if someone, if this friend or somebody had said something this could have never happened. You don't know. It's always hindsight's 2020 and the what if game. But it's like, if you have, like Jessica said, if you have any inkling of anybody in your life dealing with any of this stuff, just doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is, fucking do it. Right. Because here's the thing. You might not just be saving someone else's life. You might be saving their life. I mean, or, you know, if it's like someone's partner, spouse, whatever, like scary as it sounds, you might be saving your own life. Right. Mental health assistance there's a huge stigma with it in a lot of social groups and stuff but honestly I feel like unfortunately it's it's one of those things that's like quote unquote still taboo to some people but it's like it's so common there's Mm -hmm. no reason for it for you to want to better yourself to take care of yourself the way I think about it is like this do you go to the dentist yes do you go see your doctor yearly for whatever yes your mental health aspect well you know what I mean like (laughs) 
<laughs> certain jobs you have to go get a physical <laughs> so you know what I mean like like if you're a woman you go to the woman doctor mm-hmm. but, I mean that's there you go I was trying to avoid that awkward statement no, but there you go <laughs> but it's, it's right it's another branch of taking care of yourself and I'm sorry but at the end of the day who's going to take care of you 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 have to nobody else is going to you have to and if you can't or you see someone who isn't doing that for themselves mm-hmm they may not be strong enough to, you have to be that person for them. Right. Like just kind of like opening up, like I've been in therapy throughout my whole life and there's just times. And I think Dak Shepard said it the best. It's like, it's essentially getting an oil, like a checkup on your car. You need to do that with your mentally as well. Like, even if you think like everything is fine, you might just need to soundboard off someone. And a lot of times what we do is we find someone and our friends and we're like, Hey, like be my sounding board. But as someone who's a lot of people sounding board a lot, you have to go and get professional help Mm -hmm. because, you know, I give good advice. I've been told, but I'm not a professional (laughs) and I could give you the wrong advice. And I think that if you're listening to us, just know that like, we love you and we don't care if you need to see a therapist, like, Mm-hmm. We, we encourage it. I mean, that was mm-hmm. Tara's original major. She wanted to be a therapist because mm-hmm. there are so many people out there who, who need it. And one, I wish it was more affordable for like the average person mm-hmm. to get help. And two, I wish, especially for men, I feel like women have an easier time with it. But I, I wish for men that there was no stigma around it, that they could just walk in and say, I need help. Yep. There's my soapbox for the week. <laughs> Yay. Hashtag Jessica rant. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Jessica rant. So speaksters, that kind of wraps it up for us today. I'm sure at some point we will do a part two, seven, nine, 12 of Chris Watts, because this is just a story that never stops. I just want to take a moment and say that, you know, we respect the lives that were lost. We honor them and just know that we're not trying to be disrespectful Mm -mm. to the four individuals who were lost. And I'm glad that, you know, Shannon's mom feels their presence. Mm-hmm. And next week will be with something a little bit more cheerier than this. Yes. And maybe, uh, maybe we'll have a, another episode up of some sorts since you guys like the documentary little oh, yeah. whatever you want to call it thing. <laughs> maybe we'll have something extra for you guys. I feel like with such a heavy topic, we'll squeeze something in for sure. Whether it's spooky, yes, funny, we'll, we'll make it, creepy. we'll make it happy. Yes. So yeah. All right. So I guess we'll go ahead and see you guys next episode, next week, sometime. next episode, sometime when you see that little notification from us, or in me, the future. Yes. Or me being like, hey, go refresh and listen. So yeah. All <laughs> right, spooksters. We love you guys, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye.